rolling once again. It's nice to have you back to the Blue Toddcast. Welcome everyone. If it's your first time, my name's Todd, and I'm real happy to have you here. We talk about motorcycles, we talk about everything else. So I don't know what you're expecting to find here, but you will find it because we're gonna talk about it. That's a big promise. I I, I feel like we do cover most things though. I'm being honest with you, I, I do. My my guest today is, is Justin Chatwin, and this guy goes deep in everything he does. He's an amazing storyteller, he's an amazing actor, and we cover a lot of that. So I'm excited to have you along on this ride, because if you watch the video of me, Snake, and Justin crossing some country here in California uh, recently, you know, you get a little glimpse of what he's like, which is, he's a great man. I'm real happy to have him on the show. But before we get started, let me just tell you how it works. Because I need you to help me to make this thing happen. And the way I have that set up now is I've collaborated with a couple brands to bring some products to the market that you could really enjoy and will enjoy. These are quality American-made products, boots and denim, Wesco boots, Telson Denim, thank you so much for the help on this. Anytime you guys go to my website and purchase something, be it my book or the boots or the denim, that money goes right back into this project. And that's the most honest way I can think of to make an honest show about motorcycle travel. Because if you're anything like me, I'm just fed up with seeing what's out there. And if you put up with it long enough you got to take responsibility for it and I'm taking responsibility for it I'm trying to bring you an authentic show about motorcycles the way that I see them and the romance of the road and uh, yeah so that's how it works you can also make a contribution you know if you've watched these videos before a couple times or whatever you feel like giving back I really appreciate that that does go a long way for me. I'm doing it all myself. Shooting, editing, the interviews, scheduling, the website, (laughs) and with some help from my wife, obviously, because I don't know shit about websites, but thank you, honey. But those are the players involved, and I just got to say a quick thank you to Tellison, Pete and Tony in San Francisco, making it happen, and Wesco Boots, Chris Warren down there working hard cutting and sewing your boots by hand it's it's pretty amazing journey for one of these products to get from my site to your hands feet legs whatever you order it was a lot of work and thank you to everyone involved okay enough of that let's get back to justin chowin shall we my american well actually he's canadian my Canadian buddy, who I think of as more American because I know nothing of him in Canada. All I really know of him is Justin Chatwin on American motorcycles. Not exclusively, but we did build him a, a great panhead. And uh, he's actually an amazing dirt bike rider. If I could spin off on that real quick. Justin, I'll toot your horn. You are fast, okay? I've tried to keep up with Justin before. It's terrifying. The guy can move. And he gets faster every time we ride. So, uh, I forget where I was going with this. Oh, yes. Canadian, American, eh, Mexican. He lives down in Mexico part of the year. 
what is that guy, really? You, you, you may ask that because you, you've seen him in movies. You've seen him in many, many movies. You're like, what? This is that guy. Who's that guy? That's If you're asking yourself that, it's a good chance that's Justin Chatwin because he is prolific in his craft and he loves to work and I love to see my friends work. And uh, Justin has a new movie coming out called Die in a Gunfight. I'm going to rent it tonight actually because I just realized that it, it is in theaters. You can go see it in theaters. We don't have a theater where I live, so I'm going to find a way to rent it. And that's exciting. And when we recorded this interview, Justin was actually on his way to go film another feature down in New Orleans called The Walk. And that's the amount of time it's been. Uh, He is done with that film now. So between when he left and now, he's finished another feature, which is impressive. Those things take time. <clears throat> but we talked some about acting. We talked about a lot of things. Uh, it was long enough. It's been long enough that I don't actually remember everything we talked about, but I know we talked some about acting. And um, and we talked about some current events. He has some interesting perspective on that. Just recently, there was a lot going down in Gaza that I was kind of following along and... He really just confirmed my suspicion of what information we get and is passed to us by way of internet or television media sources. It's so fucking confusing. Him having been there and actually crossed the border and been on both sides. And uh, his, his perspective is very valuable, people just in in many things because he is a seeker my friend justin is a searcher he is a road dog and if you could you can kind of tie it all together what kind of man he is just by watching our little episode uh you get a good feel for his optimism and his energy he's a real deal and uh i'm I'm glad we're friends yeah We, we i'm trying to remember we met I don't honestly remember what year we met. It was it was a while ago, though. It was at a Rolling Sands event. I had a couple bikes in a Rolling Sands show in downtown Los Angeles, and I was selling books on the side. And Justin bought a book, and we were just off to the races. After that, we've built bikes together, gone on trips together. Even before the, you know, the trip that you watched the video of, uh, we... We went down to Mexico, did a overlanding adventure through Baja with our ladies. That was a blast. Yeah, a lot of adventure there. When I say road dog, it's kind of it's kind of interesting when you think about it in terms of filmmaking because completing a movie is kind of like going on a road trip with a group of people, and a lot of the fuss and thought that goes into cast and crew, you, you know, it's it's important who you put together. Because like a road trip, if there's somebody who is dragging people down, it can be a shitty experience. And Justin is just never a person that can do will do that. So if you're ever thinking about making a movie, casting a character, 
look into my buddy Justin, okay? Trust me, because he is he is a good person to have on that road trip. Okay, yeah. I'm a little distracted today, actually. I'm I've got people texting me. I'm watching my buddy Terry's dog. He's a good boy. He's looking at me right now. But um, ultimately, I'm just trying to get this intro and outro recorded before my wife gets home from delivering her baked goods. So I'm not going to take up too much time so I don't get interrupted. You get the picture. Justin Chatwin is here today, and you get to take that ride with us. So buckle up. Here we go. Let's go. Um, we went. Can you hear? Can you hear yourself? Yeah, okay, I don't good. like it. And well, you got to. Oh, for real? Yeah. I can't turn this down. No, because if um, if something goes wrong, which I've been having trouble with my mic cables, then I'm just gonna take the. You can do that. This off a little. Bit. You can do that. I can monitor. I hate the you. sound of my voice. I hate the sound. Everyone probably hates the never sound gonna listen to this. Voice. I'm gonna. I'm not gonna listen to this, but I'm gonna get you to um, what is what is it called when they Auto-tune? type out? They uh, type. They type out the whole oh. transcode. Can you get somebody else to dub my voice after this? We can get a hired actor to, to play me to play you. All right, good. Yeah, that's the that's the plan. But no, I've had a couple that I didn't do with this, and something failed in the middle of it, and they just cut out, and I didn't know it. Oh fuck! So that's why I'll I, tune in every once in a while. Yeah. Well, I can I I can hear you through mine. Okay, too. good. But th- here's the other thing: like that's a directional mic. So you, when you wear that, you can know if you're registering when you hear your volume and you can know if you're hot, if you're talking like, you know, you know what Uh, I mean? So you can kind of, kind of control it that way. Yeah. I feel like we're back in the fifties. That's right. Doing an old school AM radio. Um, I, this is a new mic cable too. And, uh, you got it. I, well, no, I got one. I ordered two and all of Best Buy everywhere. In all of them, there was only one six-foot cable, mm-hmm. so they sent me one thinking I would get two, so I'm still using one of the old cables, which is frustrating. But how, uh, the big question I want to know is how are you feeling? <laughs> oh, I feel great, man. I feel this like a million morning? bucks today. Okay. Yeah, I woke up and I like break dance, did some push-ups, and headed up to Rimrock. Oh, yeah, some just some chin-ups. But yesterday, oh my God. Yeah, if you haven't gotten your second vaccine... You're and and you didn't have symptoms the first time. You're, I don't know. Everyone's you mean different, right? Symptoms with your first shot. If if you did, you get symptoms on your first shot. No, I got a little bit tired. Then you're in for. A, oh fuck! You're in for a shitty day. Okay. Well, I basically felt like I had the flu. It body aching. I felt like I was nine years old again, and my bones were growing. Do you remember that feeling? Yeah, I remember. I get such a man flu. I get that. Like I I really shut down when I get sick. Because I'm not used to being sick. I'm a pretty healthy guy. Yeah. I, I I mean, I was trying to get up just to walk my dog outside yesterday, and I couldn't even get off the couch. Damn. It was like flu-like symptoms. We're really so not why encouraging I make it up people here. to get the vaccine. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, well, I mean, uh, it means that it's working. That's true. Yeah. They say that that day of it is kind of like the day of the all the struggle and the 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 flu like symptoms is means that it's being programmed into your computer your body's as if we are working becoming computers 
Did you know? Slowly. Did you know that Scott Tover was a biochemist before he was a photographer? That doesn't surprise me. He just that guy can do that anything. Bit of knowledge on me, like, oh yeah, before I got into photography, I had a degree in biochemistry. I was working for the U.S. government and in the Navy, and I was like, wait really? a minute, are we the same? Per- am I talking to the same Scott Tover I've known for ten years? He's like, yeah, man, it was crazy. I was young, and I just went to school to be a chemist, and and so I had him explain. I was like, okay, explain coronavirus to me thoroughly. And like, what are we in for? What is all this? And what did he say? Oh, he went right through it. He went through the mutations and the variants and all the, you know, the structure of it. I was like, man, that makes a lot more sense than anybody's explained to me otherwise. Can you explain it to us? Yeah. And one of the most effective things that he explained to me was that the, um, all right, in humans, we hit a certain age when of maturity when we replicate right when we can replicate and there's there's a lag to that with with this virus what um, do you mean replicate like have children oh. and and reproduce make mini me's you make mini me's i haven't made a mini me yet scott has but he made it, it he made sense of it in terms of that and then he's talking about how on a microbial level or a cellular level that these things can multiply pretty much endlessly all the time so that into different strains into different strains so god this hold on this this is my problem this mic cable i got it yeah i'm hearing that yeah good that's why i have to wear headphones okay he was explaining to me that um let's say a mutated gene that is more contagious is very quickly going to outrun the less contagious genes and that's when the mutation becomes stronger and scarier for everyone so it's like you know it's very likely that when something mutates and becomes more more contagious that it'll outrun everything else right and did he talk about the strain that's coming from dogs now uh no we didn't talk about that but uh it sounds like they're ahead of that one and that there's coronaviruses in just all animals and likely lots of them we haven't found in humans too right so why'd you get the vaccine um well i just don't have i just don't god damn it hold on cable this is embarrassing (laughs) stand by I'm I'm not I'm not scared of a conspiracy here. I think that like this thing is big enough and global enough and I know that it's been politicized and weaponized and that the vaccine is trying to get our society back on course, not trying to like take over us in some microchip or whatever. Right. Or poison and um Well, I had just... some of my friends wanting to have an intervention with me because I got the vaccine. <laughs> What would that? That's how do? divided people are. It, it's it's yeah. It's it's really. It's also sad. really revealing about who people are, and where their thoughts and emotions are, and where, how they see the world, and their upbringing too. Yeah, that has a lot to do with it. I'm not. I'm not a. You know, if they didn't trust their parents, I don't yeah. think they're going to trust their government. Yeah, it's a trust issue. I don't. I'm not saying that I trust the government to make all the good decisions, but. I don't, I, I'm very confident that this thing is big enough that it could 
it could not first of all be a conspiracy that there's just there's too many nerds and nerddom in science world that wouldn't turn into whistleblowers if this was some giant conspiracy you know what i mean the science is behind it and that i trust yeah i trust the scientists yeah and fuck man i it's so sad that we couldn't come together on something like this you know this major hurdle that happened to this country and globally that you know we've been divided enough of after the last four years that when some big hurdle comes up in this country we couldn't come together that's so sad it created more divide it created more divide do you think there was a time in america where things weren't so divided absolutely or do you think america's always been divided no i think i think we i think we have i i think this last president you know, and it's fine however you feel about him, uh, was the most divisive leader we've ever had, and we suffered greatly from that. And um, also social media played a major role in that, and the algorithms that created the echo chambers Mm -hmm. that um, really catered to people's fear uh, is responsible for that. And where people get their news source from. Yeah, we're dealing with like a new, it's just a a new, the technology is a new form of evolution. And we, our minds just haven't caught up to it yet. It's kind of like, you know, when we, the the first cavemen had, they had a campfire, right? (laughs) And that, like, a fire to a caveman would have been this revolutionary technology. Oh yeah, it's like an e-bike. But how many of those motherfuckers got burned? playing with fire and burn down half the world and forests like learning it right for sure this is like the new campfire and we're burning down we're burning ourselves and we're burning part of the world if we learn how to use it and uh it did not do us any favors when it came to government or the coronavirus we're just gonna have to we're just gonna have to get past it yeah how do you know what new sources to trust um like, what do you, where do you go to, to get your info? Because if I go on my cell phone, I have an algorithm that's locked in what Justin likes to sure. look at. You get a lot. And of... then I go on my friend that lives in Texas's cell phone. It's going to have a totally different set yeah. of news sites that come up to give him his information. Most of my news is kitten videos and animal <laughs> videos because I, I really ignore it. I'll get a lot of like, right now, if you picked it up, if I picked up my phone and I did this morning, it's all Middle Eastern news because I'm watching everything go down in Gaza. Right. And so it's really catering to that. So did you put a a blue square up on your Instagram? What does that do? What does that mean? Um, I noticed. It like, means that you support Israel. Really? Yeah. Oh, oh, I didn't. I'd know. I didn't I didn't know that. So people are putting blue squares on their their feed. Yeah, it says if you put up a black square during Black Lives oh. Matter, then you should put up a blue square for this. Oh okay. I hate when people say should. Yeah, should don't tell very... me what to do. <laughs> There's Believe a lot of people saying so... should these days. And what the fuck do you think a blue square on your Instagram is gonna do for them right now? Have you ever been over to Israel? No, never done the Middle East. 
It was one of the coolest places I went to. We went to, we went over there with this group called America's Voices in Israel. And, um, cause I have a lot of Jewish friends and they were looking for different actors to come over. And so three, me and two buddies got brought over there and we kind of got shown the highlights of the Middle East and the highlights of Israel. And I've always kind of had the huge fascination towards religion. And so I was reading up on the Old Testament before I went. I was reading up on the Quran. But when we got there, we never got to see much of Palestine. We didn't get, they they didn't show us. What year was this? Because this is about six years ago. It's always been a hot spot. Oh my God. Yeah. It's the hottest. It's the hottest. And um, I found it fascinating. I found it stressful. It was the most stressful place I've ever been. Was it? But fascinatingly alive. Yeah. And um, we did like seven days meeting with the head of the film school, head of the military, head of uh, city development, Netanyahu's uh, right-hand man, and um, just seeing all the amazing things that Israel's done. And I love the Jewish religion, and we got to do some Kabbalist ceremonies. Oh, wow. And then I was, but I just kept looking at this wall. I was like, there's a wall over there yeah (laughs) and bethlehem's over there yeah and i always always had these kind of fascinations about the the jesus story yes and an origin i was just like what yeah the origin story and i was just like what's over there you know and um and so i was walking through the market one day and i met this this guy he was a, a fan of shameless and and he was just like oh are you guys here with America's Voice in Israel? And I was like, yeah, 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 they're they're great. We're seeing everything. It's amazing. And hearing about all these wars that the Israelis, you know, beat the Jordanians and, and the Golan Heights. And it, it was really, truly amazing. And he's like, well, I'm a, I'm a Jew, I'm a, but I'm a pro-Palestinian Jew. Hmm. And I was like, whoa, hmm. what is that? You're like a... That's like a of, Jews for Jesus. Yeah. Yeah, so I was... I was like, well, we have a schedule every day. We can't. He he said, he said, do you want to come see the real shit? And I was like, yeah, I mean, it's, I'm, I'm so curious. Like I was like, that's what I want to see. And um, he goes, okay, well, I'll pick you up tomorrow. I was like, well, I, we, I mean, we have a full schedule with America's Voice in Israel. We can't really, see, we can't, I can't really come with you. And so um, he's like, we'll figure it out. I'll, I'll be at your hotel at 9 a.m. And so we ended up... Um, uh, I called America's Voice in Israel. I was like, oh man, me and my buddy. I was like, said to my buddy, I was like, do you want to go into like Gaza or like up in, up to Hebron? And he was like, yeah, fuck yeah. That sounds amazing. And so I called the guy that was organizing. I was like, man, we got food poison last night. <laughs> I got my buddy to be like vomiting in the background. Had some bad falafel. And yeah, bad falafels. And um, we went with this guy and he like drove us over to the wall and then we went down into Hebron and it was totally segregated I've never seen a segregated country you went from being a tourist to a pilgrim in that moment oh yeah yeah and then he brought us down to um into Palestine and he was just like I'm a Jew I can't go in here he's like but you guys can go for it so we went into this gate and they like strip search you they ask you what religion and we were like we're not religious he's like you don't believe anything we're like no we're from la we don't believe anything <laughs> <laughs> he's like all right welcome have fun <gasps> and so we ran around in there that day and like we we got invited into all these um 
Muslims houses and they served us tea and they kind of told us their side and but um, the guy couldn't come with you the the Jewish dude couldn't come no with you. he's like I it will be trouble for me really? if I walk through that gate okay yeah it's it's I mean it's segregated man it's complex it's hard for me to wrap my brain around you can't and and then so so we ran around in Palestine that whole day and we heard their side of the story and we heard you know uh, the stories of of what what Israel's been doing to them and then that night we went back over to the wailing wall and we danced with the Israeli soldiers and I felt higher than I've ever felt like um I don't want to sound, you know, I felt like high on the Holy Spirit or something. Yeah. Like, well, like that's I had, what they go there for. It was, it was, I, I, I've never felt so high and so stressed out in my life. But kind of being able to, to, to get invited into these subcultures and these worlds, I mean, that's like, that's what I live for. Yeah. You know, there's a lot, you know, um, so I, I just, I, I, after leaving there, I thought I was like, I thought I kind of had a grasp on it because I had taken a, a Middle Eastern Studies course at UCLA. But after I left there, I realized that, that I didn't. There was so much I like I could not wrap my head around well, should, any of it. Shouldn't it was more complicated than than I you, than I thought when I left you there. You probably had the best introduction to the conflict or the split over there. You should write your own program that's like American. Americans for Israel and Palestine <laughs> and you go to both places otherwise you're just getting one slice of the ham right you know imagine if you wouldn't have gone over to Gaza or gone over uh crossed into what how do you say it Hebron Hebron it's a really controversial spot because originally it was the it was the Palestinians then it was the Jews gave it to the Palestinians then the Jews won it back because it's one of their holy sites yeah. And it was actually segregated. I thought I saw um, Jewish kids hucking rocks at Muslim kids and Muslim kids hucking rocks at Jews. Where it, starts, it was like, man. it was like America in the sixties. Yeah. It's so complex. We think, I mean, it's all just divided. hate. Yeah. It's yeah. all hate. It's all, you know, stories. but that divide, that divide, um, the divide happens everywhere. And I feel like just nobody has the ability to just have a conversation to hear another side. Everyone just kind of wants to it's starting, be heard. It's starting to happen here. Where? At your house? No. Well, yeah, right now. I'm <laughs> I'm Palestine. Are we divided, yeah. Todd? <laughs> yeah. That sounds like one of the most insightful trips you can take in a lifetime. It was cool. Good for you, man. But but segueing into motorcycles, I think that motorcycles for me has been, there's a lot of ways to see the world. And for me, motorcycles has been a way into seeing these subcultures and um, being able to have these kind of undefensive conversations with different types of people across America, pro-abortionists, you know, fundamentalists, uh, Religious people, oh, we got the wire troubles again. No, no, we're good. Keep going. Um, There's a good example of that on this trip. The, on the trip we did, yeah. When I it? ducked out, but you stayed in the conversation. Oh, in down in Panama. Yes, I just didn't have the energy, and I knew what was coming because I saw the dude's helmet and I saw the dude's bike, and I mean, 
Like, do what you want. I get so, like, the mischief maker in me I know, just dude. starts getting, coming alive. Just when I see buttons. somebody that's so extreme, yeah. I go, yes, let's yeah. talk. I, if I have the energy, then yeah, I'll go there. But man, I was just so fried from the heat. And I could tell that this guy was looking at our bikes and he was just like, I want some he was looking for his a, people. He's looking for That's his what people. That's we're all doing. We're all looking for home. We're all yeah. looking for our people. Yeah. And this guy saw his people. He saw a snake and he's like, there's one of my brethren. Yeah. And <laughs> I mean, they're both from Virginia. Yeah, I, but little did he know that snakes exactly the opposite yeah, of him. Yeah. And I, when I saw a snake just walk away, I was like, yep, I'm going over filling up with gas now. You can never judge a book by its cover. You got to read that book. Yeah. You got to have that conversation. I'm guilty of di- dipping out there. Yeah. yeah. And so, I don't know, me and Snake just kind of struck up a conversation with this guy. He really wanted us to come over and check out his bike. So we did. You know, and he... He, uh, yeah, he, he had a few things to say about Mexicans and, um, he didn't, he kept saying, I, I don't give a fuck. I don't give a fuck. Yeah. It's Southern fuck. I don't give a fuck. And it was just fascinating to me because I've been thinking a lot about race because I'm, I'm doing a, a movie on the 1974 forced busing in Boston, um, which was, part of the beginning of the desegregation of the blacks and the whites in America. So Wait, I had just what been year? Wa- 1974, 74. So I'm going to shoot this movie in a week or two. That's just not so long ago. No. So funny. No. And, and, and now what they're talking about is the disguised racism, you know, like a lot of those, the, the books that are out right now, the whole, um, um, the, de- the 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 how to be an anti-racist is kind of says you know capitalism is disguised racism if you love capitalism you love racism it's it's so it's it's uh has the homework really opened your eyes on this topic that you had to do for this role yes yeah yeah reading those books did because agree, i was do you somebody agree with all of it or are you kind of like man i don't know is it the main no i don't agree with all of it but yeah. it really took me understanding cuz originally i i I was I felt defensive mm-hmm. in a lot of the things that were happening. Um, that word white privilege, and then which I have completely. But originally, I was like, when somebody calls me privileged, I felt defensive. Yeah, that defensiveness is racism, you know. And I know some. There's probably some people that roll my, roll their eyes at that, you know. But for me. Um, I don't know. It exists in. Oh man, we're on some like. This is a hot topic. I'm. It's I'm a really afraid hot to talk I know. about I am it too. because I, it's like, really sensitive. But I am too. But I mean, you your experience is your experience. That's all I can say. And like as a platform, I don't want to. I don't want to necessarily shy away from those things without trying to understand them. Well, it's yeah. like we're all in a nation together, and if someone has a problem, it's really easy to go. Well, that's your problem. Yeah. Deal with it. Yeah. And if I'm in a relationship with somebody, which I've been in before, and my girlfriend has a problem and she feels a certain way because of my behavior, and I say, well, that's your problem. Deal with it. Like, How do you think that's going to go over? Right. Yeah, that's a really good way to put it. <laughs> that's, one, that's a way that everyone can understand. 
It all takes but work. But if I say, fuck, that sucks, tell me more. I want to know more. Yeah. And actually have empathy because I'm in the same household as that person or I'm in the same country as that person. It will go over a lot better. That's a great way to describe, uh, present a solution. That's, that's, yeah. And do you think without doing this role, you would have ever come to that understanding? No. Then that that says a lot about film as yeah. a medium to reach people. Well, my approach has always been change your life through art. Mm. Yeah. And it's always, I've always learned something from every role I've played. This is a big one, man. That's like, this is such a, like you said, it's a hot topic, hot topic. right now. Yeah. It's scary to talk about on this thing because I know that. It I, is. As I start talking about yeah. it, I start getting nervous. I know. I know. Yeah. Because uh, people are emotional about this topic. But I don't know. I, 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 I've just recently, I'm, I'm so curious, curious to hear what other people, um, their experiences are. Um, I'm just curious to know more. Because I, I, I really, the older I get, the more I, I realize I, the less I know. It's it ta- it's going to take a lot of work, and we got to look for things. Um, you know, food is one of them. Food is one of these things that we all need and we can all share. And conversations over food is the same way you can have uh, meaningful, respectful conversations over bikes with some pretty different opinions you know standing there with this on this common ground i think we all need to look for that whatever whatever your bike is or whatever the food is at the table it's like look for what you can share yes it's just a good start and that's what we did with that um confederate hillbilly yeah on the side of the road yeah we talked about bikes even though well he thought we probably had the same perspective as him we didn't um, but at the end of the day, like he was baiting us in to have a conversation about kind of, he, it was almost like he wanted to get racist. Yeah. Well, he and was, he was, we look- ended up just talking about bikes. Yeah. And it's not like we should shun this guy. He was looking for He's some solidarity. He, you know? Solidarity. Yeah. Yeah. He didn't find it. No. No. <laughs> <laughs> but we still were able to have the tolerance to have a conversation about other things with this guy yeah. find commonalities yeah. as opposed to finding differences yeah yeah and when you went your different ways you may be like man those california guys were all right though you know they may not see things the way i do but they're all right boys yeah that's, that's the best you could do i tell i tell people this is i have a lot of i have a very i have a very eclectic friend group in what they believe and stand for and you know, when we start to get into these conversations, the best way I can approach it is be like, all right, we're going to leave this conversation and then they're going to go back to their little insulated group. And that group is going to talk about this group. And when they start going down a rabbit hole, I want this guy I'm with now to be able to be like, well, now, wait a minute. I know a few of those people. They're not like that. And that's the that's the most you can hope for. Yeah. That's the best you can hope for. You're never going to change anybody's mind, like, but you can change the way that they no, but what, speak about other people. It's just the the world's so fascinating. There's so many opinions 
and there's so many different perspectives. I mean, wh- why do you want to change? Why would you want to change someone's opinion? Well, I think people. I know change. I know that. I know what you're saying. Um, you know the change that people want a lot of times is is like just more of a, a greater good, like for peace for these things. But you know, some people don't want peace. A more lo- a more loving perspective, a more, a more accepting, accepting like, ex- perspective. These, these are all great ideas, you know. And and maybe we can find a better balance. Let's just call it balance. Yeah, like we we should probably be looking for balance. Mm-hmm. Not looking for. Uh, to change anybody's mind, but let's find a balance among the different opinions. Yeah. We, okay. So, because I, I was such a fan of you, man, after you're reading your book and we met, you know, probably about four years ago, where in your travels have you come up across the most extreme perspectives? That's a good question. Um, I've been shocked in all of my travels that, most of the perspectives I've come across are really not that different. Mm-hmm. Reactions are different at first, but perspectives are really quite similar. People want the same things most of the time. What? Which they, is what? They just want to feel safe. They just want to feel heard and respected on some level. They don't want to be misrepresented. And if you talk to them, they want to clear some things up sometimes when they realize there is a difference. And and giving them the opportunity to do that is important. And you do that by remaining respectful. And just fucking learning how to listen. You'll find that like if you go into a conversation, letting someone explain themselves and asking some genuine questions, being present and just being like, and tell me, tell me some more about that. I don't know that I agree, but I, I want to learn, you know, explain it to me. You'll find that they will turn that around immediately and say, no, no, let me hear yours. And you walk away. It's like, wow, that really, that really went pretty well. <laughs> and, and the, there aren't these big differences that exist. Mm-hmm. The big ones are these divided topics like abortion is a big one. If you go to the middle of the country and you start and people start talking about abortion and a lot of this is is like this you know I, I think religion I don't think religion is a bad thing. I think it serves a lot of people it f- fulfills a lot of people in a way that they're never going to get that otherwise. And I don't I wouldn't want ever want to remove that or tell somebody they're wrong. But there's a lot of religious beliefs that people take a very aggressive stance on. We got to change those religious folk, man. Well, <laughs> I change. I don't. I, I don't. I mean, you grew up with a lot of those religious folk. You, I did, and I wouldn't. I wouldn't seek to. I, I stopped trying to change them a long time ago. Um, it's sad that that has to be such a divide, though. That if, you know, your beliefs have to be. We don't. We can't separate belief and opinion anymore. And and I think religion sets up. They it sets up a armor around your beliefs mm-hmm. that if you could if you could disarm that, and it, and it's fine to believe that, but realize that 
some people don't believe that and there is a different opinion that just wants to be equally as respected right then it'd be a little bit easier to i guess coexist in some of these places have you been surprised by stereotype surprised by it yeah i love being wrong about people Mm -hmm. and that's the way i walk into most situations where there's a stereotype was there a stereotype in the motorcycle world that you were surprised by um that's a great question because i think a lot of non-motorcycle people that might listen to this show there's kind of a like a bit of a fear you know i mean like I mean, I've I've met some really interesting characters through you. Yeah, you know, I've met Hell's Angels. Yeah, um, not through you and through you. Yeah, um, and I've been oddly surprised yeah. by conversations about who I thought these people were and then who they actually were. Yeah, I think I've I've just been in it so long that uh, I don't remember my stereotypes from the outside of this culture necessarily. And I'm, I, but I am always surprised by the kindness in this culture, by the roughest looking individuals, this, the, the filthiest, roughest looking people, uh, that broadcast this, um, persona of danger are oftentimes the kindest, most generous go so far out of their way to help you and get you back on the road. Yeah, well, we saw that that day in Lucerne. Yes, yeah. About twelve people stop and try to help you. Everybody, everybody who rode drove by who had any understanding of motorcycles, and maybe those who didn't wanted to help. Yeah, and you can see that. I, I, I don't know. Do you think they wanted to help, or do you think they wanted to connect and both? Just yeah, both. It was pretty obvious that we were stuck there, and I mean, maybe they had driven by two or three times and said that we're still there and every time they come by there's another piece of my motorcycle laying on the ground are you are you ever not stuck on a <laughs> on one of your trips <laughs> no remarkably though snake... are they trips or are they just being stuck well that's part of america the, that is the fun of these motorcycles is that you fix your way across the country and you'd get that you, like you've you've done two good little loops now on a motorcycle that you're still shaking down and how different let me ask you this how different is that than riding a more modern piece of equipment more dependable like how different is this trip than when you were cruising around on on the soft tail through the same places uh on the panheads it's more emotional and so you really got to watch the mind-body-machine connection. Yeah. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, absolutely. So I've had this happen many times. It's like whatever, I don't I don't know if it's the machine that's creating the per- perception shift in my mind, spirit, body, or if it's my mind, spirit, body that's making my piston seize up. <laughs> do, you think, do, you think you're connect, do you think you connect more on the panhead than you do on the soft tail with, mm, the, with the machine? No. Why? Why not? Uh... I connect the same way as oh, okay. I, I connect the same way, um, but you have on the panhead that, that I do on my e-bike, but that you, I do on my dirt bike, uh, that I yeah, do on yeah. my my soft tail, you know, yeah. that I do on my Sportster that I left in Colombia because I fucking hated that bike, <laughs> and I never liked it from the beginning, and so I just hated it, and it didn't take care of me because I didn't like it. 
Right. It was a relationship. Yeah. At the end of the day, they're all relationships. And I don't know. I had one moment with that bike, the panhead, where I was like, I love you. Yeah. I'm starting to love you. Where did that And then all of a sudden, it kicked a fucking bolt out. And I almost lost my brakes going down into Panamint. Oh, God. And then I was like, like, okay, I'm having trust issues. I don't fully trust you. But with my soft tail that I've ridden 100,000 miles, I mean, I fully trust that bike. I am one with that bike. I get on that bike and I'm like... My my heart actually expands. Yeah. So I don't have that yet with the panhead. You've but... only done two trips on that bike, though, on your panhead. Yeah. You're still learning to listen to it. Right. That's the one difference. Is like these old ones really speak to you. Well, it's like a, it's like any relationship, you know. Like you, you, there's trust issues in the beginning, and you kind of don't know, um, you know, how it's re- how she's reacting, and you don't really know what her what she, what she needs, and yeah. how she's gonna how temperamental she is, and and uh, how she's gonna do in hard hard situations, and and um you know you learn but then after two three years you get in a relationship if you haven't bounced like i have in a lot of my old relationships you start being like oh i know i'm still curious about you but i i I know i kind of kind of know how you're going to react in this situation i know that i can trust you and if you put more time if you put more time with something you have you have a deeper relationship with it but with the panhead i ride twice a year yeah you know so you with my you, with my e-bike i ride that every day yeah you know and so my heart you know and at a certain point i was riding my soft tail every single month across the country i mean it was just if, if it's you, time if you survive conflict and go through it with someone it's always a stronger connection and these older bikes are pretty continuous conflict on every trip and it takes work but you learn to listen and the feeling of reward that comes out of that is so great it's so much more rewarding well i really admire you guys for what you guys do and for me that was the evolution of motorcycles for me yeah you were just an evolution yeah no it's next level what you guys how you guys your relationships and by you guys i'm i'm talking about the vintage chopper bike scene. crowd yeah yeah vintage bike crowd and so the it's the deepest relationship you can go because you're not bringing into a harley store you're doing everything you guys know the littlest sound you go that's my piston yeah okay that's <laughs> my carp if something happens you guys have the parts i mean it's it's just time it's, spent man like you were saying just like a relationship yeah, so for me, like, I just wanted to understand machines, and I got bored. I got bored. bored. I got into motorcycles because I was bored. Yeah. I stopped riding uh, my my soft tail around because I was bored. Do I bought a dirt that... bike because I was bored. Do you I think got, your then, relationships then, end because then, you're bored, too? Uh, <laughs> great question. Great question. You're distilling it down right now. What's that? You're distilling it down right now. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. If we're using the analogy of relationships, yeah. like you're talking about romantic relationships. Yeah. yeah. Right? I, I, I think that's a great analogy, though. Um, it's a romance we have with these bikes. Yeah. And yeah. with the road itself. Yeah. I mean, I, I always just, I want to go deeper. Yeah. I want to go deeper. I want to go deeper. I want to go deeper. And so for me, 
um, I feel like I went as deep as I could and I, on my soft tail. It's not like I've, I, I mean, I still see that bike and I'm like, oh, amazing. But I'm not focused on the bike. I'm focused on the road and the bike is just a vessel. Yeah. Whereas when I get on my panhead, I'm not really focused so much on the road. I'm focusing on getting a mile down, yes. <laughs> down the street exactly, and listening to the 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 buzzes and the ticks and and there's more gratitude for every mile i'm like this is a that's what i'm talking about and so time slows down you start to time travel right yeah because you we went for what two three days i mean i was underwhelmed i was like are you kidding me i wanted to go for a month yeah (laughs) because that's what i do and and at the end of the day i was just kind of uh but how exhausting three days felt like three weeks exactly exactly and you, every mile is so fucking sweet. Every gas stop, when you're, when you can get off your bike and don't have to fix 20 things, you're like, oh man, yeah. that was a, that was a good, you know, whatever, hundred miles we just did. It's right. flawless. And you look closer at things and places that you just kind of drove by. You end up broken down and then you end up meeting a guy as a farm, you know, you end up meeting his family Gino you hear yeah and really that's yes, what these these yeah Gino was that yeah was that, he was the guy that gave us that was an when, actual guy I thought you were making that up no 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 Gino was the actual dude that when we were diagnosing the electrical problem he recognized that jumped out of his old stepside Chevy and was like alright boys what do you need I got wire I got connectors he's like here I'm just gonna leave all this with you and took off well it turns out it was you know in my case it was my switch and we didn't need all that wire but I shoved it in my bag then when your bike started shorting out, we had to use that wire and then we had to make jumper cables to start your bike every time. And that's what Gino dropped off. He really saved the day with your motorcycle. Yeah. Well, you guys saved the day. Well, I, mean, I if, just if I didn't have that wire. <laughs> learned. Yeah. But I feel like the learning is what I love. Yeah. And I'm always the guy that's helping and fixing the bikes on my my trips that yeah. I do on dirt bike and my soft tail trips that I haven't done in years. Um, and for me, it's humbling and I'm learning so much riding with you guys and seeing it, things break down and seeing you guys know. I mean, yeah, I feel like I'm getting Miyagi'd in. And then this learning from you guys, even back three, two or three years ago when I bought the Panhead, and said to you, hey, should I buy this panhead? I kind of wish you said no. Yeah. <laughs> I knew what you were in for. Because it's not easy. No, it's and, not. But, but at the end of the day, I'm so grateful. Yeah. Uh, and I do look forward to years of riding this thing. But the the diagrams you showed me and opening up and showing me how engines work, I mean, that's translated into sailboats, you know. Oh, and, sure. Yeah. Um, all sorts of machines. And, and and for me, like, my dad wasn't a machinist. I didn't take mechanics classes. I, I It was just, it's not in my vocabulary. But I have a hunger for it so and you have you have a comprehension of it now which gives you confidence right you know you can diagnose these things and work subtractively when you have a comprehension of of how everything fits together right and that's just that's just what makes it fun is like humans love puzzles we love puzzles whether they're physical or you know intellectual and in this case it's both you know we like to we like to put things together and feel like we accomplished something and and these bikes are the epitome of that not only that but their their motors um by nature are just the most modular and simple simple like yeah it's a lot of work but the simplicity behind it 
you know, a lot of these things with computers and fuel injection, if that shit goes out, what are you going to do? You're fucked. You're fucked. You're fucked. There's no, there's no mechanical interface to it. There's no gears. There's no, but it's really smart from a corporate perspective. Sure. <laughs> yeah. As far as capitalism <laughs> goes, that's a great idea. Yeah. And, smart. and that's really the difference in the two cultures is like these, these newer bike crowds, they, they have a garage and they have a lot of bolt on pieces, but they're, they're limited in, in what they can do. They, they, they can't, solder their own fuel injection system up on a circuit board or whatever or, or map these usb uh tuners in their garage you know m- maybe some people can but you know you can tune a carburetor if you got a handful of jets right to be perfect anywhere on the side of the road you know and and these are it's kind of like man i don't know i i to me, it's just sometimes the shape of something was so good in the early days of its design that I look at the way people have really tried to improve it and improve it. But the the function of it and the purpose of it was just perfect in, in that original state. Why'd they mess with it? It's just our nature to mess with things. It's the same reason we'll become, you know, cyborgs at some point. We're just because it's more efficient. Yeah. Well, and and we just, yeah. I think I think we're obs- our obsession with convenience will probably eventually be our doom as well. And there's nothing convenient about these bikes, but there's something very stimulating and rewarding about them. And we, I particularly in our culture, I think now we're so obsessed with convenience and and eliminating a pattern of struggle that it's killing us emotionally and um kind of physically too we don't even like really like what do we suffer from the most in this country probably obesity you know there's no pattern of physical struggle or any struggle are you saying i'm fat um actually you look great you've been working out you being sarcastic. I'm getting overweight. Right? Yeah, uh, you are getting overweight. <laughs> no, no, I didn't think so. You got a movie, dude. I'd love you gotta to. get. You gotta get all. You've been riding your e-bike. I know. I gotta stop doing that. Stop riding your e-bike. To be playing a '50s cop. I oh yeah, you I'd need love to have a little bit of a belly. Just hit the donuts. No, but you're right about the 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 people want efficiency. People want you know not to work, not to struggle, and uh, we're like a funny generation, man, because we're. A generation that never went to war, but we're kind of, I don't know, I crave that part, I crave that brotherhood and that struggle and that, I I like pain, I like kind of getting my ass kicked, I like going... All right, I'm going to ride my bike 30 miles over those four mountain passes and people say you can't do that. Yeah. Um, Or being like, all right, I'm going to ride the whole Baja with, you know... Not much, like basically a few tools, some water, some water. <laughs> yeah, I I love getting my ass kicked. I love the struggle, and I love the. I don't. I'm not a isolatory person. I I'm a community guy. Like I like doing it with guys. Yeah, having those too. experience with people. Yeah, I'm not so much of a lone wolf. Although, I I I have done it. Um, it's good to do both. Yeah, it's good for the mind to do both. Yeah. Yeah. Where are we going with that? Oh, well, the pattern of struggle. It's its fulfilling, man. It's intimidating, but it's really fulfilling. But the generation, because yeah. I've been looking at this through this through this movie that I'm doing, because the guy I'm playing grew up in, in the mid-40s. Uh-huh. 
And that was a generation that came out of the Great Depression and then went to war. Right. And Vietnam happened and all those, you know, and those guys, when they, after going through the war, I'd be interested to talk to guys like Topher. Yeah. You know, because he was, he's, he was in, he didn't serve, right? But he was in, he said, you said he was in the Navy. Um, he, he worked he worked for the U.S. government with the Navy, as okay, I understand. So he wasn't actually. He, I don't think he was actually in the Navy, but okay. he worked. Yes, he worked for the Navy in these ports, where he with soldiers. I'd be interested to talk to somebody that you know, guys that came out of the fifties. After that, they wanted security. That's what that's what getting married, having a family, having kids was. It was pursuing security. You know, they had gone through that. That was like a threshold of rite of passage. Yeah. Almost a pa- rite of passage into manhood. You know, that 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 struggle, that that fighting for something greater than yourself at a time when the, when we trusted our country. You know, after Vietnam, we stopped trusting our country. Yeah, yeah. You know, that's when the, all of a sudden people went, uh-uh, I don't trust these guys. Well, can you imagine way. something like the draft now? I mean. I, it's hard. It's hard to imagine. Mutiny. Yeah, yeah, we would. I mean. It's just a diff. Yeah, it's it's di- people are fighting for different things nowadays. These are these are all and and when you, and when you're not fighting. Oh, sorry. No, that's right. When you're not fighting, when you don't have anything, a dragon to slay. When you've slayed a lot of your dragons, you know you're just gonna. What do you come together on? What do you slay next? Why didn't we slay this virus though? Maybe it's just because it wasn't a physical enemy that we could see and and externalize. Do you not think that the vaccine and and is fuck no that's become even more divisive man people are trying to intervene on your behalf because you got the vaccine yeah it's it's so you're saying why didn't we come together as a nation to defeat it yeah yeah it's i'm just saying that like i don't know i don't know man yeah if there was a time though when we would have i think well, I mean, it, I mean, it happened in the early 1900s with the Spanish flu. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I, it, yeah, it basically lasted, I think, two years, and then it kind of just went away. They had no strategy. They were just like, well, well, some of us will make it. <laughs> no, I mean, F. Scott Fitzgerald and Hemingway, they went through it. There, there, a lot of their writings they they wrote about the um, the flu happening. But also another thing that happened was the vaccines, you know, and and there was a lot of fuck ups with vaccines and side effects with vaccines in the early days of vaccines. And that created the world of anti-vaxxers. They went, okay, well, those vaccines did this and, you know, caused autism, which I don't think is true. And so we can't trust any vaccines going forward, but we must... They've been evolving with vaccines for the hard, 50 to 70 years now. So it's like, I don't know. The hard thing to argue with people is like, okay, that's like, if that is true and it is true to them, that is a solid argument. But we just can't agree on what's true anymore. Like there's, there's no, there's just, do you hear all those dogs? Yeah, it's probably my is dog round them up. Is Boo outside or inside? My, I don't know where my dog is. I never know where my dog is. Oh, no, there's some jokes. But here's the thing. It's like if you're looking for, if you're like, I want to buy a Ferrari, which I never would. Yeah. And you're driving down the street 
you and a kind Ferrari's of have on your the mind. mustache and the mullet to drive a Ferrari right now. No, the mullet's gone. Oh, is it? Yeah. Oh, yeah, you're right. I miss it. But I have the stash. But go on. If you're if you're driving a Ferrari down the street, if the <laughs> dude dudes that have Ferraris have mullets, <laughs> I I think the prime of the Ferrari was like 1980. Yeah. Mullet and and like shorty still, shorts, white shorty shorts. Yeah, and still hanging on a little bit to the Burt Reynolds mustache. Haven't quite oh. left that seventies. I'm gonna bring it back. You you would be the one. You would be the one. I guess what I was saying is like if you're lo- if you want to buy a Ferrari and you're driving down the street, all you're gonna see is Ferraris. Yeah. So if you're, you know, if you want to prove that vaccines are you know people talking about vaccine shedding now people think that there's like if you're around somebody sorry. that is vaccinated that they're shedding oh, I'm sorry. things that are going to yeah. cause girls to um have miscarriages right right so if you're if you're if you're you know seeing this you know it, it, your mind will look for what you what story you want to support yeah that's all yeah, I'm saying. You're right. And you uh, can build any story. But it, 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 it's at a the subconscious end of, uh, the end confirmation day, bias. Yeah. And, and at the end of the day, it's 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 all rooted in your experience and what's what's happened to you historically and and what you think is is healthy and not healthy. Yeah. Yeah. We're we're so good at flipping any script like, to I, find our own narrative. I choose to, to trust the scientists, trust the government. And who knows? I might have three testicles in like 30 years from this vaccine. You might love it. But that might be amazing, having three <laughs> testicles. Your voice will get a lot lower. You can go for those roles with a lot of testosterone. The Burt Reynolds roles. Exactly. In the guy in the Ferrari. Yeah, he might have had three test- testicles. <laughs> Testerols. Oh, man. How did we get there? <sighs> This is the point where we have a coffee break. Did you get any coffee this morning? I did, yeah. I, I, I can make good. I could make another cup. Do you eat breakfast? Yeah. Should I? Well, eat, I have it right here. Should I eat breakfast before the vaccine? Uh, I don't think it matters. Really? I just wouldn't it up take afterwards. I just wouldn't take Tylenol. They say don't take Tylenol or Advil before. But it, I'm going to have about twelve hours, yeah. fourteen hours. You'll want to take a, a Tylenol. I'm going to have the vaccine for breakfast is what I'm going to do. With some bacon mm-hmm. cereal. Yeah. What, what, a weird, what else do you want to talk about? What a weird time, man. Um, well, back to the trip. Was there, was there, there was a point where you said that uh, you were like, I love this bike. And then the, the brakes went out. You know, that, that point, that, that to me is every, that happens to me on every trip. Where if a moment pops up and I'm like, this is the greatest point that this bike is running. Mm-hmm. I know to just love the fuck out of that moment because five minutes later I'm going to be fixing something. Have you ever had a, a moment where you're all of a sudden you have no brakes? Have you had that moment? That was one of the, that was probably. There's a, you're, you're right. There, there's a big difference between no brakes on a mechanical drum and a little bit of brake. And I ride my bikes they always have just a little bit of brake. Yeah. You know, and when your brakes go out completely, that is a puckering situation. Yeah. Where you stomp on the pedal and you realize there's no slowing down. Yeah. And it was good that you got that out of the way. 
<laughs> like that's a rite of passage. Yeah. Losing your brakes. Yeah. The the panhead's like, okay, we can go on to the next thing now. Yeah. He passed. Yep. yep. You lived. Congratulations. He lived. <laughs> yeah, freak me out. Yeah, you were shaking pretty good there for a minute. Yeah. Yeah. But Snake, the the last time that happened, it didn't happen to me. It happened to Snake. Um, I've had the opposite of that, where my brakes locked up totally. Oh, God. Yeah. And that's, so that's just as bad, really. At least when your brakes go out, you can engine brake down a little bit to a point where you can manage your speed a lot of the time, which I think you did probably to stop your bike this time. But when your brakes lock up completely... You are just straight up fucked. Like you, you just gotta. And I practice slides. That's one thing I'll do. Is like I'll practice just stomping on the brake at a speed, and like get used to the back end swerving and trying to control that. Because if that ever does happen, it's nice to be able to control a slide. Yeah. Um. But yeah, they're both exciting. That's one word to use. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there was a moment where I was like, I, I, I mean. If the brakes go out, I'm just going to jump off this bike, send it off a cliff, and retire from Mr. Todd's wild ride <laughs> and never come back to this world of panheads again. But you Sometimes always... I leave it out and I'll just be like, maybe somebody will steal it tonight. <laughs> <laughs> if anyone listens to this and wants to come steal my bike... Go for it because I have insurance on it, oh, and then I can funny. buy another dirt bike. That's funny. which at the end of the day, I you think, can buy a lot of dirt bikes. Yeah, with, with I mean, out of all down. of out of all the hobbies I have, this was the most expensive one. Yeah, you put your this time cost in. me the most. You put your time in. Yeah, but I, the more you're gonna get on this thing, just the 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 attachment just becomes everything man well it's just a different style it's like it, at the end of the day it becomes it the the trip it comes about the bike yeah and for me like mountain biking is like the it becomes about the technique it becomes about the sport and becoming a better rider and it, it becomes about the athleticism and on the on the soft tail it becomes about the roads and the mountains and the distance i mean we could we do like 600 miles in a day yeah this thing we i mean well, that first day we did five. Yeah, right. <laughs> second yeah, day yeah. we did. Well, the second day we actually, I thought we were only going to get about, what, 40? Mm-hmm. We ended up getting all the way to Lone Pine that night. Yeah. yeah. So it was a really And we could have day. gone a lot further too, but Lone Pine was our target. So and some days, you know, I've done, I've done like 500 mile days on the pan. It's not physically comfortable and I, and that's packed right and that's running right and everything and and like you get up the next morning and you're like oh fuck this hurts it, it, dude it hurts more than um riding the baja on my my dirt bike yeah it hurts i end those and i'm like oh i feel good after this trip my lower back hurt i'm like am i compressing my lower vertebrae my knee hurt from kicking yeah <laughs> yeah yeah, this sport is rough, man. It's rough, and and there's there's a lot of technique though. Do that, you meet a lot of old guys that did that did this, these adventures, did this sort of stuff? Because I met a lot of these guys. Yeah, and are they still doing it, or are they like, oh man, I can't ride that anymore? No, there's a lot of them that have electric starts on uh-huh. on their bikes. You know, my buddy Dennis um, never stopped, still doing it. He's in his seventies and. He figured out a way to put a uh, 
he uses uh he hides a little snowmobile starter right back there behind the transmission so he can when he can't kick it over physically he can start it with an electric start we're still bouncing around getting beat up just like the rest of us and it's rigid yeah huh all of them are rigid he's got flat heads heads, knuckleheads early 70s dude a lot of these guys died like a lot of these guys just died from drugs oh interesting you know drugs not the party life the brake bolt going out and 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 you know accidents you know that too but uh just why do you think that drug addiction and motorcycles went so hand in hand I mean, I think you kind of, it's a drug itself. It's like an addictive personality that sticks this thing out. Like a reasonable person would take a trip like you just did uh-huh. and be like, fuck, that's not efficient. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, I, I, for how, how, how hard I worked and how far I got, that's not efficient. But how is it a drug for you? Like, do you have withdrawal when you get off your bike at the I end of these trips do. and have yeah. and be like, I gotta get going, I gotta yeah. get going, the, I gotta go further. Did you not go feel that? Get, like the gotta get, gotta get, the day after where your adrenaline was still kind of pumping and you were like, man, I want to, gotta kind of miss that. No, I was happy to be done. Oh, were you? Yeah, oh, okay. I got on my mountain bike and I and I just. But you I still got riding. on a bike. You were still seeking something. Oh yeah, that for me is a drug. Yeah. But after after the getting off the panhead, I was like. Oh my God, I got to go to a chiropractor or something. <laughs> my body didn't feel good. Yeah, but I can tell you right now, your stance was off in your pack. You didn't have a pack to lean against. Like I saw, like all the photos and the footage of you riding, it makes me uncomfortable to watch. So I'm like, God, he was sitting up the whole time like that. Yeah, well. You just hadn't, you just had, and, and we changed your front end. The person who designed it really fucked up on the fight, dude. I think, well, what do you think about the front end we put on there that changed things up for you? Like the, the longer. Yeah. I mean, I, I still don't, you know, for me, like I, I built a couple bikes, a few bikes and I've eventually over a few years, like I get it too. I'm like where all of a sudden I, I feel whole. Mm-hmm. I'm like, you know, that feeling where you're like, ah, I can rest. My, it looks exactly how I want. Mm-hmm. And all my bikes have that, you know, like, my Indian flat track bike took a, took a bit, but I finally got it there. I was like, yes, it's yeah. exactly how I want it. And the panhead's never been there. But I feel like uh, extending the 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 front end um, made it look a little bit more of what I'm looking for. But at the end of the day, like I don't, I'm not a chopper guy. I'm not, I'm not, a, I, I don't really know that world. So I'm looking for something that I don't really have a reference of. <laughs> But it eventually one forever. day, it takes so long to eventually fill that one day out. I'll be like, Oh, I love it. Yeah. That's exactly what I wanted. And in the meantime, I'm just going to keep learning about the different, um, style of bikes and, yeah. and, and how it makes them feel. But I definitely, um, loved my bike more this time than last time. Okay. Well, you're going in the right direction yeah. and, and just little, little things about changing your stance up. Like you're running floorboards right now. You could try pegs. I don't we, like floorboards. We could pull your handlebars back. Yeah. And you would be so much more comfortable yeah. get, getting off the bike at the end of the day. And yeah. the, these things are just things that take time. You know, I experimented with all sorts of different sized bags on my sissy bar before I came up with the, the perfect stance to where I like to have my handlebars. And I mean, that, that took a year itself. 
just experimenting. So it's just time spent. It's a process. It's a process. And it's, it's, it's really rewarding when you get there. And you, like you said, you sit back and you look at it and you go, that's it, man. Yeah. There it is. There was just something happening in the 50s and the 60s and the 70s where everything was really, really done well. You know, motorcycles, cars, films, everything was so well done and so innovative. It was so much focus was put on quality of product. And it was amazing what came out of that time. And then kind of the uh the the recessions came and more focus on profit came and plastic parts came and yes. everything kind of went in a different direction i'm not saying that like fx fxrs are cool bikes but um you know there was just so much cool stuff that that quality stuff that was made during that time and i i'm i i, I mean yeah, I hope, I hope uh, it's it, it's amazing that you guys uh, just give life to these things that are seventy years old. You know, it's the same with sailboats. I've I've been obsessed with sailboats for the past couple of years because um, you can go far in those things. And uh, for me, I, I love the sailboats of the of the eighties. That's a great the comparison. late seventies yeah. and the eighties. They were amazing, and then the nineties. It became more about making money off bareboat charters, and they just became more of these kind of creaky plastic things. Yeah. Um, and for me, I, you know, I, I don't know if I want to get a sailboat, but if I did, it would be to just do what we did with the panhead exactly. on one of these old sailboats. Exactly. To to span distance. And when you when you add that little element of design in there too, it's just it's just really rewarding to look at your ship. Yeah. You know, and and to take pride in that. And designers and engineers in in those decades in particular, they love taking pride in what they were making in the craftsmanship, not necessarily in in the efficiency of profit and uh you know, sometimes I think <laughs> sad to say but sometimes design one over function in these decades when we were still figuring it out because it just it looked cool and there was an aptitude of the general population to maintain these things themselves like they could fix some of these problems that would reoccur and and they went on their way regardless yeah um we don't have that now people want everything to work perfectly every time and we don't want to own a toolbox or look in a manual anything like that and i so what scares me to think about is like beyond our generation like mine in the ours in particular right now when electric vehicles take over which I, they will and they should, I think, in my personal opinion. Oh, I'm going to get an electric truck. Yeah, sure. I'm absolutely. So I'm, I'm excited about that. And I, I rode, last summer, I rode. I'm obsessed with e-bikes. I, I rode those. I don't know if you've, you've like got that drift. No, I, I have mentioned yeah, e-bikes. You might, like you might be obsessed. You might have be addicted. I go like 30, 40 miles in a day on these things. That's like, pretty not amazing. Not a day, in like three hours. I will tell you that I rode, the, I rode the live wire last summer more than any other bike, I think, when we were shooting. Is that the one that you and McGregor? Yeah. Did that trip on? Yeah. Cool. But but anyway, um, I lost my train of thought there. But um, when we're when we're gone, and if if we don't pass the torch on how to maintain uh, the 
mechanical era the of these, you know, gears and pulleys and drives and uh, combustion, it's gone forever. Do you think oil and gas will ever disappear? I think people will, in pursuit of it, will probably start refining their own petroleum at some point. Oh, wow. And, and that will become an art or running it off of, or running some of these things off of. I mean, of, that's next level. Yeah. I don't just have a pan head that I built. That yeah. Runs, I, I have an oil refinery in, in my backyard. Small. Are you going to put a pump in up at your place here at Rimrock? Small batches, novelty batches. Um, maybe, I don't know if you can buy, if it's even legal to buy unrefined petroleum but black market oil some I mean, it'll create something for that think about like this all, subculture of like think, mad maxi and yeah well think market of, think oil, about people the, stealing oil just to survive to get another mile on their pan head. no no it will only be for the very wealthy who who have these vehicles still you know think about what they're worth now well that's fine because you guys all have multi-million dollar properties now up oh, in rock yeah right <laughs> Dude, that house across the street is a million dollars. I know. It's a million dollars. I know. Only movie stars can afford it up here. <gasps> I this this is the knucklehead house. You're I call, gonna have a Burt Reynolds on a Ferrari with a mullet living next to you. No, I'm never selling this place. No, living next to you. Oh, living next to me, yeah. But I call this my knucklehead house because I was ready to buy a knucklehead when I found this house. It was the exact same price. And I bought this property instead. Smart man. Oh, yeah, I think it's smart. smart, man. I mean, I still want a knucklehead, but yeah. Has there been any other place that you've been to that you would, you've had the feeling of, I want to settle down here? There's Boo. New Mexico. New Mexico is cool. I love riding through New Mexico. <laughs> I love New It works. Look at that. No, what about you? Where you're all I'm... over the place, man. You're you're one of the most. You are the most nomadic, uh, employed person that I know. Yeah, nomadic and neurotic. Yeah. Do you think your neuroses I don't is think why I... you stay on the move so much? Uh, no. I I I mean, it could be. It could go both ways. My my neuroses is why I stay on the move, and my me staying on the move creates my neuroses. Mm, you know it's perpetual because i used to think that that movement cures all of mankind's ills like, i used to think that until you got bored with it um <laughs> no i didn't get bored of that <laughs> philosophy are you scared tired. of the world getting too small for you um no because i've been i mean i no, I, I mean I, i've been to monasteries and sat in silence for like weeks at a time like I, I'm not, I'm okay with being still. Mm. Um, was that the hardest thing you did though? Was sit still? No, no. I, I, I was blissed out. I could have stayed there for months. Really? Yeah. I, I mean, for me, it was. I was like riding my motorcycle inside myself. Was it? That's a great <laughs> way to put it. Wow. I've never said that. That's a. It sounds so lame. You sh that should. And that's be... why Jenny's my girlfriend's because she's a. You know, a transcendental meditating, yeah, moto moto head too. You know that that's a nomad and likes oh, likes she to gets move. It. She gets it. You know, but I, I movement, even if it's walking, even if if it's running, even if it's biking, just moving has always created calmness in me and created 
um, good ideas, spurred creativity. If you know, if baby's crying, what do you do? You you move it, right? You're yeah, walking, yeah. You know, and it, it calms down. It's and I've always had that, but you know, I'm also uh, an addict and an alcoholic, so I have that thing of like more, faster, further, gotta, 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 gotta you know, gotta, gotta keep going, gotta, gotta. Yeah. I mean, you want it to be at twelve all the time. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like you know, if years back, me and my buddies did a never-ending motorcycle trip that that ended. Because we hit the wall, yeah, uh, all the way down in South America. But it was it was kind of like my my in my mind is like, oh, well, I just got to keep moving. But I take it to such a, an extreme of like, well, we got we just we got to go and just never come back, you know. Um, so for me, is that what drove you to the monastery to seek stillness after all that? Um, yeah. I'm an extremist if, if you haven't figured out. Yeah, those are t- extreme opposites. Um but at the end of the day it's I'm not, you know, for a while I was like, oh, I'm just chasing beautiful places and then um I don't know. For me it just comes down to community now. I have a theory about that, about I love to why, hear it. why are I think I think some of us have gotten to a point where our minds work at a certain speed and I'm not saying it's like quicker than anybody else's. It's just a certain speed. And I think that these blissful moments come from when our body catches up with the rate our mind is working at normally. And I think mine is typically, it's not 120 miles an hour. It's like between 60 and 80 miles an hour. You're slow. I'm slow. You're patient. I'm patient, but I get down the road. And so when I'm moving along at that speed in in any vehicle, I'm like, this is right. Like my thoughts are clear and Mm -hmm. my perception of the world is clear. And all the new information on the horizon that's coming at me is coming at a speed where I can, I can still look around and and digest it and flow. And so that's like, if I'm stuck, like if I have writer's block or something like, and, and I need to have a breakthrough, I'll just get in my on my bike or in my car and I'll go out on 247 and I'll do like 80 miles an hour and boom there it is 80 miles an hour, 80 miles an hour though is is a lot faster than most people drive like I I wouldn't say no. you're slow that's the normal pace of traffic I think that's a that's a that's like the cruising speed that you want anything to run in california anyway people drive 80 miles an hour no matter if it's a 65 they're driving 80 right if you're if you're on the if you're on the uh if you're on the 10 the slow lane is 80 miles an hour the fast lane is like 85 miles an hour it's just the the pace of of life out here and i and i think that's why i like driving out here if i go back home and i'm on the two lane highway 56 which goes right through my hometown um it drives me mad because people are driving like 60 miles an hour. Right. And, and I'm like, dude, and, and the speed limit is like 60 miles an hour. And people are driving it. How and did I'm, you live in Los Angeles for so long? What do you mean? It, the you people people there? drive 80 miles an hour everywhere. <laughs> really? I lived at the confluence of the 10, the 101, uh, it's the so 110. Low. No, 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 no. The, it, you get on the freeway at the right time and it's always 80 miles an hour when there's traffic backed up it's moving but it's slower and when you're splitting lanes sometimes it's like yeah you're still moving i liked riding a bike in la Mm -hmm. i didn't like the 
the, the best. risk assessment there. Like it always, it always was troubling to me riding through pop, like surface streets because I'm like, my risk assessment is off the radar. It's like, I know I'm going to get hit at some point. The more I travel these surface speeds, I don't get that on the freeway. On the yeah. freeway, I think it's actually pretty safe in Los Angeles. Being able to split lanes and move through traffic and everything's going the same way. As long as somebody doesn't flip their car in front of you or spin out in front of you, which I've had happen. Yeah. Um, you know, Damn. you're you're good. Like you're you're really pretty safe. Yeah, Willie H. Macy said that to me when he first when I first got a bike. He's like, You're gonna get hit. Yeah. He's like, it's not about if, it's when. Yeah. He's right. Well, I mean, he's, he's right. I still have been hit. Satan still hasn't gotten Not it. today. Not today. Not today. But, you know, your ability, um, There, I will say this, though. Okay, there was a point you probably would have been hit, but it could be your, uh, your ability to calculate risk avoided that accident mm -hmm. that you should have been hit. And that only comes with experience. And I tell people when they're getting started riding a bike, I'm like, you're going to think that your safety comes from wide open space on a surface road. That's when you're the most vulnerable and most invisible. You need to ride pacing another vehicle everywhere you go. And it's going to save your life because that person is going to know you're in your rear view mirror. And every car that looks right through you and doesn't see you is going to see that car you're pacing. And if they pull out in front of that car, there's going to be an accident that's going to happen right in front of you and you're going to go right around it. Right. And, and, but I think it's an amateur move, a beginner cyclist to like fight for a big open space and get up there in their bike and they're like, ah, oh, this is great. We're moving around. And somebody makes a left-hand turn right in front of them because they doesn't see them or a U-turn to get a parking spot and boom, you go over the handlebars. Yeah. And that's what gets everyone. Yeah. That happened to us in Honduras. That happened to you? Yeah. See, it did. Not me. But it happened to one of your buddies? Somebody that was riding with us. Could have just as easily been you though. If they looked right through you, you just didn't happen to be. Well, I wouldn't do a blind. I wouldn't pull a blind U-turn in the middle of, you know, a back road in Honduras. Wait, they the person on the bike pulled a blind U-turn. Yes. Oh, I no. wouldn't pull a blind U-turn. I would yeah. look. Yeah, right. Usually, it's someone else that it's the car making the U-turn that's going to kill you. Yeah. That that's an amateur move as a motorcyclist to turn before you look. <laughs> Yeah. No I, offense. I look on. Yeah, I look everywhere on my bike. Yeah, I'm kind of out to lunch in my truck. Right. If you see me on the road Most driving my are. truck, yeah, you're rehearsing. Go away. You're rehearsing lines in your truck. Yeah. <laughs> I am. I actually. Um, I picked up my buddy from the junkyard once. He crashed his truck from reading lines. Crash in traffic. It's a great it, it, people are people really. It, the world is becoming more dangerous. I am more safer uh, on my motorcycle because I'm present. Yes, and for me that that whole ability to be present, all of a sudden you're freed from the the fear and the resentment, you know. And and for me, like that's the same as going to a monastery. As going to a monastery to uh, accomplish the same thing it's the same thing it's yeah. just the ability to be here experiencing the earth as a human being right now yeah and when i'm in my truck i don't get it as much but when i am in movement i do get it because i am more present but when i'm sitting on a couch or trying to think about what i should do with my time here 
I, I'm I'm kind of I get hijacked by these like thought terrorists. Yes. <laughs> yes. They're like you should do this. You should do that. I'm you being should. attacked, I, and I feel under attacked, man. Yeah. I feel like Israel under attack That's from right. Palestine. Just bombing Palestine under attack from Israel. Smart and I'm in, de- bombs. I'm in defense. You're those kids. I'm in a state of fear. There's a kid throwing rocks at you on the other side of the divide. Yeah, and so I start throwing rocks back at him, and then I realize it's my girlfriend, and I love her. And why would I throw rocks at her? It's, it's insanity, man. Do you think that um, acting is you like acting as as much as you do because you have to be present? It's the same thing. It's a flow state. Yeah. It all comes down to flow, man. Yeah. I mean, I grew up, I was a snowboarder, you yeah. know, and for me, that's what I did twice, two, two, three times a week. Yeah. You know, it was, that was the culture that was available to me. Then I moved to SoCal and at that for, in SoCal, it's, it's motorcycles. And, you know, now I live in near La Paz, Mexico and it's kite surfing and yeah. dirt biking. And I go, I, I find, and, and, and when I was stuck last year during COVID up in Vancouver, it was, I got into mountain bikes, you know, for me, it's, it's what is, what's the culture that's doing fun things that put you in a flow state. What's really beautiful is you have this craft acting is, I think of it as a craft. It is an art, you know, it's as little as I've had to do it or had the opportunity to do it. I realize like there's strategy to this. This takes work and it's a, something you improve upon is one of those things you have to be totally present for. And you're making and affording yourself the time to do all these activities that are total present activities through a craft that is a that is a fulfilling activity. And getting paid to do it. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Because a right. lot of people like they afford their time by being an insurance salesman to go kite surfing or motorcycling. Yeah. Like you're you're f- if I could find flow state as an insurance salesman, though, I would do it. Yeah, maybe. But you can't. It's, that's, it, you, that may be a stretch. You, maybe you could. You know, like it goes back to that the Piercing book, Zen: The Art of Motorcycle Means. I feel like you can find Zen. I mean, a Zen master would tell you you can find Zen in everything. Right? No, you're right. Um, there are but yes, acting is masters. very. Act, yeah, acting is very. I don't know. You can teach a monkey how to act, dude. <laughs> but then again, Anthony Hopkins said, you know, it took him 50, it takes 15 years just to start actually learning it. Yeah. And then it takes, you know, they say 10,000 hours to become a, a pro at it. But for me, it's always, it's been the same approach to bikes as acting. It's just, you get into that flow. And once you're in that flow and you're, you're taking every bump and you're taking every hit and you're just, you're giving, giving, taking, giving, taking, and you're in that flow. I mean, you, you felt the flow ebb and go in this podcast right oh yeah absolutely sometimes yeah. we're out of it sometimes yeah. we're in it yeah <laughs> but for me it's like we're kind of riding bikes right now <laughs> oh you have to in conversation <laughs> there's an art to that as well i read a book i was such a bad conversationalist in my early 20s i was such a drunk <laughs> and i didn't realize i just, just stopped drinking but i read a book called i bet the you art were of a, conversation i bet you were a great entertainer though i was as a drunk i was i was a pro i did my ten thousand hours i was a professional you ever meet people and you're like my God, you would be a great actor. No, I've met people that have been like, my, you'd be a great drunk. Mm. Um, yes, I have met people and, I, and I'm and i like, you are so, I've met people that are so fascinating mm-hmm. that I've been like, man, we should, we should get you on film. Yeah. But then they get on film and they freeze up. Mm. They don't know yeah, how to that's... be, re- they don't know how to be 
um, forget that the camera's there. And sometimes it's as easy as just looking into the horizon or becoming aware of your spine or uh, focusing on um, like the hair on somebody else's face or feeling your jeans and just getting present. And yeah. then all of a sudden you're like, oh shit, there's a camera there. You have to constantly trick yourself into that. Yeah. Because I've had really interesting people we've tried to put on camera and make movies about yeah. and they fall flat. They're not interesting. Right. And then I've met really um, amazing actors and I'm like, so what do you like? What, what, what do you do? What do you, what are you about? Where do you live? What's, what's going on? And, and they're the most nothing. boring people <laughs> that I've ever met. Oh, that's, yeah, that's interesting, isn't it? You're a good blend of both. Thank you, Todd. But you're a seeker. Yeah, you're, you're kind of an enlightened person because you've, you've, uh, you've pursued things. I'm a professional escape artist. Yes, you are. Professional escapist. You're like... All gas, no brakes, man. Yeah, man. <laughs> it's like if Houdini lived. I know? would like to work more. I just don't, you know? So I end up just going and doing the things that I did when I was a kid, which is ride my bike. Do you think if you worked more, though, if you had... Uh, would you feel a little more trapped? Because it's... No, I love my work. Okay. okay. I love. That's I, beautiful, I, It's then. rarely that I've been on something... Unless there's hardcore politics involved that uh, oppress my freedom of creativity, um, you know, which has happened more recently. But besides that, when I'm on set, I love it. I love my job so it's, much. It's such a creative collaboration. I'm rarely complaining. I'm rarely that that the actor that's that that's complaining about my job. Do you work with a lot of those? Um, types you don't have to sell them down the oh, river there's like but a good quote no i'm trying you... to think about it. there's like a really good quote about an actor and complaining it's, it's kind of like the two the two kind of go hand in hand, hand. In hand. that's the being talent MO, on set yeah well all these people are there to to work well, they, I, I think it's something like how do you make an actor complain you give him a job Duh! <laughs> that's pretty good something like that um, yeah, I don't know. I, whenever somebody wants to work with me, I just, I go, sure, I'm in. Tell me where to be. Topher, Topher's excited that you called when we were doing that location. I love yesterday. Topher's I work. I, I, when I first started riding bikes, I rode with, I rode with Mil William H. Macy. I was on Shameless. He was like, you should get a bike. And I was like, oh, I used to ride dirt bikes when I was a kid. It was really fun. And I got a bike and I did two trips up to San Francisco with him. And then um, or no, one trip to San Francisco, two trips, one to San Francisco. So he got you into this mess. It was him. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. I mean, he was a wild hog. Wild hog. I didn't see that movie till last year. <laughs> <laughs> His character was the best. He really was. He really was. He's amazing. So we took a few trips and we went up to San Francisco and went to his cabin in Denver that was like 10,000 square feet. Castle. Castle, basically. We had some fun and we, we... A Caspin. Yeah, Caspin. Yeah. I like that term. And then um, he was supposed to do the next one with me to Texas and then I canceled. And he canceled because he was directing something. And so I, I just kept going and... Um, Are you two still buds? Did that connect you like on a deeper level than acting? It did for a bit, but then I, I left the show and um, I haven't talked with him in a couple of years. Mm. But... Um, 
But if you did, it would probably be like we'd probably do a reunion tour. Me, him, and it was me, him, and Steve Howie Mm. to the Casbin. To the Casbin, yeah. Where was I going with this? I was saying I was leading into something. That's a good question. My my flow got fucked with. (laughs) You were talking about. um, Well, you told a really great joke. How do you make an actor complain? Give him a job. Yeah. I don't know. Anyways, yeah, that's how I, that's how I kind of. That's how you discovered this whole. World. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Thank you, William H. Macy. Great man. Yeah. Is he, is he like his characters, like in Shameless, or is he just so diverse? He's more interesting than all of his characters. That's amazing. But he also finds a way to like, you know, I don't know, people People ask me what's the most interesting celebrity you've worked with, and I always say him. I'm he's beca- just a guy that does it all, man. He, like, he builds houses. I go over to his house, and he's, like, building a cabin, like, with a hammer and a nail, you know? And he's uh, he's just always engaged in something. He's got a beautiful family, and he's always learning something new or a new instrument or writing, you know, we, we'd be in... Um, Vegas and he's like oh I can't go out tonight boys we're like why he's like I gotta finish my draft for this uh, troll movie or this wizard movie that I'm writing and I was like what do you mean he's like oh yeah I go as a different pen name but I sell scripts to Disney oh that's amazing and I was just like he he doesn't stop working he's a he's a creative machine yeah he just probably has to yeah that makes sense I bet the bike is his escape from that a little bit he didn't want to stop I mean, he stopped because a thing greater than biking came about, which was him directing. Yeah. You know, and I would have done the same thing. What's the, who do you think the best director you've worked with at this point is? Spielberg. Yeah. That'd be hard to beat. Yeah. What do you, what gives him his edge? What gives him his edge? Yeah. Above the rest. I know he's got an amazing career and he's made some amazing stories, but as a director, as a leader, like what makes him... He's a genius. Hmm. It's just smarter than everyone. I mean, geniuses, oh, geniuses are fascinating. We could have a whole talk on what is a genius. They have, they're in touch Give with Give me something. an example of how you just, I mean, clearly he is a genius. Look, he, at his, He's a genius, but he also is, yeah, he's a technical genius. So he, he knows what he could, he would, he would direct me in different scenes, say, put your chin an inch to the left, put it down. Then say your line, and I may, immediately I was like, "What the fuck?" Yeah, I felt this like, "Why is he controlling you so much?" Yeah. But at the end of the day, he knows how movement can convey emotion. Oh. And Macy also said something like that to me. He said, "He said you don't need to feel the feelings; you just have to trick the audience into making you think, making them think that you're feeling those feelings." Right. And sometimes you can do that by behavior. Or sure. just the way you lower your eyes. Yeah. And there's so, some choreography there. And so I think that he's a real... Yeah, choreography. Exactly. Yeah. I think there's a real genius to how Spielberg knows humans. And I also think there's a part of him that really is in the mind of a child. And I think that that's where the genius lies. Yeah, that comes the, is through. Is in the, the eyes of a child. And I also think he really understands myth. Mm. You know, he understands what, you know, Joseph... Campbell was touching on when he wrote the power of myth and just myths and how we've how we've told stories as cavemen from from the from 
The, that's the first thing we did. It's everything. Besides create that huge fireball the, the, that burned down the, the whole fire. Right. Um, yeah, I agree. We told it's, stories. It, the, the two go hand in hand. The fire and the stories. Yeah. They're the same thing. And we're still, you and I, we're still doing the same thing. Yeah. Except we didn't have any fires on this trip. Because California's California. got like a huge <laughs> Can't do that. Yeah. But it, and it, and it's the same way that we create stories about uh, to get vaccinated or not. You know, it's still story. It's all storytelling. It is, man. It's saying, well, when you do this, this is what's going to happen. It allows us to make choices. It allows us to make understand what we're doing on this universe, on this ball that's f- flying through space with this thing called gravity that's keeping us down here sitting in these chairs here in your studio in Rimrock. Those stories. And they ask us why we have why we have anxiety. Yeah. <laughs> and they control they control the population. I mean, the religion, like even current religion, past religions, they they controlled the population at the time through these stories. And it's still working. It's still we still love them. We just gobble them up. You know, that's all I'm working towards is like telling the story of this trip. Mm-hmm. And people are going to watch it because it's it's a good story. It's a simple story. It's just what it takes to conquer distance mm-hmm. with a challenge involved. But people love those stories. Yeah. I mean, I wish we had more bobcats and rattlesnakes and tarantulas. And Next trip. Rock slides. And- Next trip. Sea nymphs. Well, your brakes went obstacles. out. That's a great part of the story. That was yeah. exciting. Yeah. <laughs> There's always something. There's always something to survive. I wish we 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 fought the redneck clan members. That would have been really funny. <laughs> <laughs> I was egging you on. I was like, I know. come on, Todd. Todd. Know. Where's Todd? There's content Where's over Todd? here. Let's go get this. Nope. 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 I'm, I don't... I. I don't like fighting. Like Jesus. Yeah. I mean, he was a great example. He, But he also flipped over tables in the market. And that's what they killed him for. Mm-hmm. But that wasn't, that was his only real physical uh, conflict that we know of that he did. The rest of it, do you think with Jesus was just tapping into the flow? Yeah. Do you think Jesus definitely. would, um, he was, he, ride he, a panhead? He, you would def- he rode a donkey, which was a panhead of the day. Wow. Yeah. I came across a guy in Argentina uh, when we were riding our bikes down there who had a tattoo of Jesus on a CRF 450X. <laughs> That's amazing. It was amazing. Let me, leave you with, let me leave you with this. Think about this. I, the thing that gave Christ the crowd and the audience and the danger that both governments at the time, the Roman government and the, the Hebrew government, the thing that gave him that power was his stories. Mm-hmm. All those parables that he walked around telling people, these massive crowds. He was like the first Spielberg. Mm-hmm. He captured people. And that was... Yeah, he was a, he was an actor and a director, solely off of the magic and power of word of the story. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So I don't know how we got on that topic, but it's, it is fascinating. Yeah, 
it makes and he would it, ride a panhead yeah <laughs> yeah he would <laughs> but it makes it makes yeah it makes me think about what i say um a little bit more being cautious of what i say and say what i mean and mean what i say Wait. and and also watch what i think because you're thinking you know watch where your thoughts go cuz your th- your thoughts are is the story of your head yeah and it's going to create reality my wife has a pure stream of consciousness there is no distance between what's in her head and what comes out of her mouth. <laughs> I know. It's amazing. Just nothing. You can trust her, though. Yeah. She's oh. never going to have any secrets no, because she's no, saying no. everything that's on her mind. Cannot hold. And it's like, so beautiful. No, it is. She's just beautiful. in a state of flow. She's dancing. She's dancing yeah. out of her mouth. Continually. Continually. Yes. I love it. Yeah. I and love Nick. It's She's totally present. And when she's not, you can, when she's in, like, the biggest conflict in her, I shouldn't be talking about my wife. She make, that's my driver crazy. But I'm only saying good things We can things do couples here. therapy right now if you want. <clears throat> well, she's not here. Okay. We would have to be the couple. Right, right, right. Um, but when, when, when she's having, like, an internal misgiving, it's because she's not letting the thoughts that are in her head come out of her mouth. And you can just see it. It's like a physical thing that builds up in here. I can see the like the chemistry in her body reacting to what she's holding back. And you can see her physically become angry for, or or frustrated from her head like down into her extremities and right. into her body. And I'm like, whoa, here it goes. Huh. Yeah. And does that. I mean, yeah, we'd have to have her here to interview her on yeah. these things. But I, I'm, I'm, for me, I'm curious. I'm like, oh, does that spark her to um, be a better dancer, to create more energy and become alive in her work? You know, there's got to be something about that. Because, there's got to be something there. Because, like, I, I mean, how does that work? You know, because someone like you, you've spent days, weeks by yourself in your helmet, putting down a two-lane road yeah. by yourself. Uh, watching your mind spin, watching where your mind can go. It can go to some weird places, yeah. right? Um, and that's what has it created positive things for you, like breakthroughs or under absolutely seeing, uh, creative ideas, or has it like actually like broken you down and made you fucking nuts? Both. There, there is a dark. There is a dark side to the road that nobody talks about. Everybody likes to recite the like the pure bliss and excitement of everything. Ooh, let's talk about the dark side Dude, of the road. When you get in a dark loop on the road, dark loops, you just gotta, you just gotta keep going till you break out of it. Cause like I've gone to some really fucking dark places on the highway too. Huh? Doubt. Doubt of what? Everything. Existence. I mean, purpose. Too much time to think. Way too much time to think. But this are this is the same reason you sat in a monastery to deal with that, and um, it does come. You you do reach those. Freud said in his book uh, "Civilization and Its Discontents" that basically, in a nutshell, that book said that people just have too much time to think. 
And yeah, back but in that's the day, what made us people. No, but back in the day, we didn't. We had to hunt. We had to gather. Yeah. We had to farm. It yeah. was nonstop. So we, we weren't thinking. We were just thinking about what we're doing. Exactly. But nowadays, because we've created so much efficiency and everything is right here, right Convenience. now. All we have time is to think. Yes, but and this... It, and it can put you into what you call a dark loop. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it will destroy some minds, but others thrive on it. And that's where art comes from. That's where, like, this... I don't like to say deep inquiry because... What I think, what I think of as deep inquiry now can be a bad thing in like conspiracy theory and going down these rabbit holes where you're like deeply pursuing basically a lie, but it's becoming real through that. But honest inquiry, having the time to have honest inquiry about something, anything, the, the, but allowing yourself the time to do that is where good art comes from, I think. How do you know you're your story is based in truth and your and it's in reality and it's not off on these kind of um lies you you don't and you just remain open to being wrong Mm, that's cool i love that man just pursue just pursue it as if you're you're like scientific method that you're trying to disprove this thing and i i see that in you you know that's one of the qualities that i really love about you is that you're you're you are humble you have you carry this like inquiry and curiosity in in you when you talk to people but you also have this thing of going i could be wrong yeah and i I don't think a lot of people have that i i well like i said i i I really like being wrong about people it 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 reaffirms the goodness in them like if i had my impression about you as justin chatwin this actor in anything that like this guy's an asshole he always plays an asshole i don't know that you do i do i actually never seen shameless that's what i get hired for but i'm guessing like most of the characters on that show were kind of like really wounded yeah yeah and and i would like i'm sure some people are like man maybe he really is that way you know and and meeting you in person would be like damn this guy is i've gotten i've gotten fuck you jimmy a lot okay yeah but that's that's exactly my point like i love being wrong about the the perception I have about people. Yeah. And and that happens a lot. That, that's happened the most to me in motorcycle culture. Cool. Where I'm like, this person's going to be an asshole, you know, or know it all or whatever. Well, this is kind of what I was asking you about earlier about stereotypes. Yeah. And being wrong about like how, because I stereotype people. I put people in a box. You can't help but do that. I put people in the boxes and I, and I hate it how I do that. I go, you know, all women are crazy, <laughs> you know. All this group of people is this. All this group, of, and it's it's prejudice. Yeah, it's racist, and I have to constantly come back to the thing of going. Every individual is different. Yeah, and that it, takes it, work. It, and 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 it, it it connects me with more people. It makes me more curious about more people as opposed to going. Well, I already know who that person is. But I th- I think what we need to seek to understand is why we do that, and if we can isolate the reasons for our I think it's survival well it is it, it our minds worked out to think to know that like all right the surface of that pan is hot mm-hmm. i know that i'm not touching it i'm not going to touch it because it's going to burn me in yeah. some way and our minds do this naturally through neuro pathways and they just become quick uh, uh, fight or flight fight or flight but Reptilian. these tiny little impulses of electricity like firing through our brain just tell us this thing yeah it's not that we're telling it to fire that way it just does but we need to know that it will do that 
but we need to inquire whether that's right or wrong while having some level of risk assessment involved. Yeah. Just like your your friend in Israel who grabbed you guys and be like, let me send you over to the other side of this fence. I'm not going to go because I know that that is going to burn me. That mm-hmm. pan is hot. But you can go, and I know that you can. And he wanted to provide for you another level of inquiry. Like yeah. our minds need to work like that man. Yeah. And that whoever that guy was, I, I'm really impressed with him, and I think that's awesome. Yeah, he was cool. Yeah, that's that's interesting <laughs> that you found this kind of this this. It's almost like a. I feel like the universe finds you when you're like when you're thinking about something. That whole trip, I kept looking at that wall. I was like, "What's over there?" Yeah. And when you want that thing, it kind of comes towards you. Yeah. You know. Well, you're talking. Yeah. We have. If you one know what you want. We if, have if, one of those. Right down, it's two and a half hours away. We have a wall. And like it's a great point of conflict right now in this country, immigration. You, oh, yeah. you cross back and forth all the time now, because you probably because you know you went through that one, and now other walls to you are just like they're just a gate. Yeah. They're not this well, great barrier. Well, I know barrier. what side of the wall I'm going to be on when they build it higher. Yeah, you crossed over kind of permanently. I'm already on that side. <laughs> yeah. 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 Speaking Spanish now. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's strange. Not full time, but just I love the idea of being a snowbird of going, you know, being in migration from home to home. There's a difference between that and being a tumbleweed, wandering. I don't yeah. like wandering, just kind of being like, I don't know where I'm going to go. Yeah. It, it makes me uneasy. It makes me kind of anxious. Yeah. And and I do like leaning in. Like I just want to kind of talk about this what you were talking about about being surprised by people and talking to people. I mean, yeah, nowadays I'm trying to kind of lean in and have conversations with people I normally wouldn't have and be feeling fear, feeling anxiety, feeling discomfort, feeling resistance, but Walking not acting on it. it. Like yeah. seeing that that reptilian part of my brain's activated, but still being in and not acting off it, but just being aware that that's revved up, you know, and just leaning in and having more of a conversation and inquiry about somebody else's perspective as opposed to feeling like their perspective is my perspective and I need to change their perspective. Yeah, yeah. You know, and, and I think that that is what all these issues are coming up about. And it's like, well, let's talk about – not a, let's not talk about the, 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 the group of people. Let's talk about the policies. Let's talk about the specifics. Just seek to understand them. Seek understanding, man. Yeah, I'm right or wrong. You can hold those opinions and call them beliefs if you want to, but seek to understand why it is you believe what you believe and why it is that others have a difference of opinion or belief to really understand it, though, not just to like, oh, I've heard it before, you know, and write it off. Right. And then go seek a confirmation from I know. Well, that, that's your what own I wanted side. to do with these Confederate guys. I know you. You did a good. You were the only one in that fight. Right I didn't have there. backup. You didn't have backup. <laughs> I Snake wanted to and sit down failed. and have a hot dog with these guys. We and we probably should have. Yeah. But part of you know, and that that was a weakness on my point. Typically, if I would if I it would practice what I'm preaching right here, I would have taken the opportunity with you to go do that. But here's the other thing. That takes energy. 
a lot of people don't yeah. want to spend their energy on that. Yeah. It can they, zap you. It people zaps can, you. It and can... I, we had just ridden through Death Valley. It was 110 degrees. And I was just like, I don't. You were tired. I was, I was tired. revved up from losing my brakes. Yeah, you were still <laughs> so operating on adrenaline. I, I, here's I had a good, some in me. I had here, Satan in me. <laughs> he got you. Here's a good point, though. I think you, you just kind of cracked a little something open. Is that go be prepared to go into these inquiries with an amount of energy that it takes to to involve yourself because it could be that you walk into one of those things unprepared you know with and you get so exhausted by it and your brain always tells you that this is a bad idea so know that it's going to take a certain amount of energy and then go go forth yeah there is a difference like give uh, fear can be a gift um or it can be an enemy yeah and there is a there is two it's hard to distinguish those for me there's a survival mechanism it's like yo get out yeah <laughs> now yeah. and i've 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 acted on that and then there's like fear where it's like f- there it's like a it's almost like an old trauma loop where you're like okay well that's not really happening yeah that fear's not really am i still valid. scared of this i'm not actually being chased by a cheetah although i feel like it is yeah you know but that whole thing of like of uh yeah perception and and uh and, and not putting people into groups. It, it's purely survival. It's purely reptilian, you know, where back in the day we'd see a group of Indians uh, um, and we'd be like, come on, shoes. Fuck. And it's survival. We got to get the fuck out of here. Yeah. Because of the stories of what they would do to people. Yeah. Have you ever read that that book, Empire of the Blood Moon? No. In, uh, Empire of the Comanche Moon? Oh, I... Empire of the Summer Moon? Summer Moon? Something like Half that. Half Moon? I know, it's so good, though. I've I heard so much about it. But, yeah, so that, that you know, that was it's a side pretty note. pretty savage. It's savage. Yeah. So hearing, knowing those stories about what the Comanches did, you know, and seeing an Indian and being like, fuck, we got to run or we got to flee, or fight or flight, yeah. you know, and we got to fight these guys, you know. And so that that whole perception of all indians are like the comanches which yeah. they weren't no the all most of the 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 first uh the the natives the indians in, in america were really peaceful you know people comanches weren't they're were like savages and uh but it just shows that like one stereotype one grouping all indians into all indians are comanches how much savagery it created in an empire that basically led to wiping out all the Indians because one group was savage. Yeah. And yeah. I feel like that sort of uh, segregation is happening now. goes like, you know, you are, you are an anti-vaxxer. I'm a pro-vaxxer. You're a Palestinian. I'm a Jew. You know, it, it doesn't go, oh, you're Todd. What are you? Yeah. Where, where are you from? Are you, are you got a panhead? Oh, you're from Kansas. You're, we're a, we're, tell me more. Yeah, you don't. That doesn't work. That we instead you just go. Oh, you're a you're a go, threat. Oh, oh, Todd's from Kansas. He's oh, a he Comanche. Used to be a, a Christian. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I know. I know. I know what those Christians are about. Dude, that is. That, I know what those guys that ride motorcycles. I know what they're all about. That is our impulse. They're drug smugglers and they have sex with hookers. Oh, you're a biker. You're a heathen, fire breathing. Like probably an alcoholic. Yep, fucking whores. Every stop. Yeah, that's that's what people do. And some do. Sure. And we don't judge them for it. No. 
You don't. And sometimes we join them. You will be surprised, though, that most of those stereotypes will die if you walk forward into them. Right. And it, when you do bump into one that confirms it, then you enjoy the journey of being surprised. Yeah, man. That was a good one. What are, where are we at right now? Dude, we almost do two hours. That was two hours. Shut the fuck up. No, it was one hour, 54 minutes. Whoa. Yeah. Well, maybe you can cut that up. No. Fuck no. That's a, that's too long. I don't want to waste two hours of someone's life. Dude, they will. people want an honest inquiry. Huh. And that's what it takes the time. Sometimes you don't get you don't get into the flow for like an hour. Right. It takes time. These things take time. Let that be a lesson to everyone. The flow takes some time. Yeah. Yeah. You got to drive. I know. I got to get vaccinated. You got to get vaccinated. I got to drive to Washington. That's a long ways, man. It's a good drive, though. Yeah. You ready? Move up north? I'm always ready. I'm going to miss having you down here, man. Dude, I'll be back. I know. I'll see you in a few months. I'll be it's back in October, probably. Something good felt good to have knowing you were just down the road. I know. Yeah. I can nope. get it. It's going to, it's going to, I don't do good in heat. Yeah, it's getting hot. It's going to turn into a frying pan out here. Yesterday. I got to get up where it's cold. Downright cold, though. Up here. And today. Yeah, it's chilly it's nice. today, too. Yeah, it's really yeah. nice. It'd be funny if you moved up. We know the podcast is done when we're talking about weather. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's a good point. Well, we'll end it on that then. Okay. All right. I love you, Justin. Love you, buddy. Good luck to you, my man. You too. And then he was gone, just like that, rode off into the sunset to go shoot another movie or explore something new. That's Justin. I hope you guys enjoyed that talk. It's always a good time hanging with him. I, it's... He's kind of like, when Justin shows up, it's kind of like your fun cousin at a family reunion. When everything else is boring as shit, you can go to this dude and be like, hey man, you want to go do something dumb? This is really boring. And he'd be like, fuck yeah. That's Justin Chatwin, okay? If I had to put, like, wrap it up in a little package, <laughs> that's Justin. I, I got a good story. Um... When before Nick and I were married, in in 2019, we were going through some real scary times with immigration. If you remember, immigration policy was changing, and my wife was here on a work visa. But you know, she had just paid five thousand dollars to get this thing renewed, and she got denied. And we knew we were going to be together. We weren't the type to really necessarily marry any time in life we just knew we wanted to be together but it came down to it and and we just decided to go straight to the courthouse and do this and Justin was there when we were deciding it he actually got on the phone called the courthouse made the meetings was one of the six people there (laughs) to witness which was also Rocco DeLuca who you know if you know anything about this show you know Rocco and I'll take this minute to thank him but Rocco is the other half of this show uh, which is what you hear all the music so it's me justin jenny rocco my buddy dean bradshaw and that was our wedding party and we just up and made the last minute move to go tie the knot and get it done best move i ever made but justin was there because he's like that crazy cousin of the family reunion that will 
go do something stupid just to make it interesting. I don't mean stupid in like a, a mean way. I mean, just something exciting. <laughs> oh, anyway. Did I mention Diana Gunfight's coming out? Go see Diana Gunfight. It's out now. Select theaters or where you can rent it. So, <clears throat> you know, I it's I've had a good run lately. I've got a lot of uh little press little bits of accolades in print and these these magazines are stacking up around my desk um i got a nice little spread in men's file about the denim and the boots and i got a good little segment in uh the few which is tim o'keefe's new magazine recently and then i just the other day i got issue two of the new easy riders format and they're just kind of sitting here, and it makes me realize, and I just want to say that uh, print print is, is something we shouldn't forget about. It, it's so special and tangible and real, and there's a lot of work that goes into it for not a lot of money. And support, support these magazines that are out there. There's, there's dice, there's choppers. You know, Dean does Dice and Carrie does Choppers magazines. Those are labors of love, man. They are not making any money. And even, I don't know what's going to happen with Easy Riders now because I heard that they got sold or something happened. And and I'm hoping this isn't the last issue because that was an institution, you know, since 1970. Um, But you want to keep these things alive and even... Publishing is is tricky now. I I talk to my publisher every now and then and just see how things are going, and they're barely keeping their heads above water. Like people are reading and they love this stuff. It's just it's a turbulent time and how we get it and how it's funded. And I guess the more the more you support those small publications, I guess the the longer we can enjoy the tangible element of the art and uh god this was so this took so long for this issue to come out it's got milo ventimiglia on the cover i know milo he's an excellent guy another great actor and and motorcycle enthusiast great writer great photographer but uh gosh you can hear the pages turning. I honestly don't even... I honestly don't even remember when I wrote this because it was so long ago. But I can tell you that I was writing this well before the pandemic. And when I open it up, the first line in this article is, Whether you know it or not, I think we all have the disease. can you believe that shit that is funny what are the chances you know what fuck it let's just read it you guys have hung out with me now for two and a half plus hours shall we read shall we read aloud from the publish from the publishing this is Easy Riders, most recent format, 
issue two. This article is called Be Gone. Words and Photographs by Todd Bluebuck. Whether we know it or not, I think we all have the disease. Some time ago at a gas station in Missouri, an elderly man driving a red Dodge approached me with sincere enthusiasm. I could see the joy inside him stretching at the corners of his smile when he recognized I was on a journey. The pitch of his voice raised with interest as we spoke between the fuel pumps. He must have been born in the late 40s because he said he and his truck came off a line about the same time. He was a mechanic and knew a lot about bikes, particularly panheads. He built them as a kid to subsidize his college bills, so when he saw my ride, it evoked a memory, a sensation he had not felt for a very long time. I was headed back to California, I told him. He had so many questions about what I would see between here and there. His curiosity bewildered me as I found myself explaining the world to him as though he were a child. His eyes glazed over as he looked west, then he told me he had never been past the Rockies. Can you imagine seeing so many vehicles built in your lifetime but never going anywhere? And so it happens almost everywhere I stop. I see us suffering from a condition and we don't even know it. Or perhaps it's been so long since our species was nomadic that we no longer recognize the condition's onset. But I feel it. When my attitude becomes despondent towards anything predictable, I know deep down that it's time to leave. I was very young when I first caught the symptoms. A quick pulse and sweaty palms, glassy, narrowed eyes fixed on the horizon. I started on the railroad tracks behind my house. To us kids in the neighborhood, these tracks represented something dangerous and forbidden. We watched public safety videos in school meant to scare us away from the harm or death they could potentially inflict. Despite the scare tactics and lack of information, we knew these tracks would lead us to something meaningful. We followed them a little further each time till we reached the oil refinery on the county line. Then we began to explore the forbidden train cars, eventually summoning the courage to hitch a ride. The risk brought more excitement than anything I had ever felt. It was our secret, and it bound us together. It created a brotherhood. Adults were never to know, lest they stomp out our fun and tie our freedom between the fence posts of a half-acre backyard. My mother was particularly scared of the travelers those train cars dropped in the woods behind the tracks, but I found them fascinating. Occasionally, we could see their small campfires burning late in the night, and she would tell me never to talk to anyone we saw back there. Naturally, I became obsessed. I would sneak through the trees and try and get a look at those outlaws. I wanted so badly to know what they had seen, to hear their stories. But most of all, I wanted to go with them. This obsession, which has held me tighter than any interest I have ever had, transformed with age in my introduction to motorbikes. Two wheels became a means of finding those stories, a way of measuring distance. But my vision of the adventure remains the same. I had been chasing the image of those bandits my entire life. They were free. It's funny to realize that I perceived them as full-grown men, but they were only kids, much younger than I am today. Sometimes I'll come across an old photo from a trip, and while I don't recognize it immediately, the image triggers a memory and I'm taken back to those tracks. 
I have found no other way to effectively elicit the same response. The world doesn't allow for much risk these days. Every place and everything is accessible on a screen. We are cybernetically connected like a digital ant colony. Algorithmic pheromones signaling our every move and mood. We treat it so casually. The fact is, science fiction is our reality as far as our grandparents could have comprehended it. But a screen, although it might temporarily pacify the condition, certainly will never cure it. These strides in technology have also furthered the sense of nostalgia panging around inside a new generation of writers, particularly for the mechanical era that we are about to leave behind. So in a way, traveling on these shitty old bikes is a simulation that recalls what it would have been like to conquer distance the mechanical way to be pulled by links of chain and teeth of gears, to feel and hear the tappets and valves displacing exploded volumes of decomposed carbon and cylinder walls for a fresh mixture of atomized air and fuel. Riding has the same thrill of violent risks that I felt on those train tracks, and for me, there exists no other means of adventure like it. These days, travel comes with new risks, but the adrenaline-pumping excitement of being out on the road has all but been removed from a life in transit. Vehicles no longer come with repair manuals. We do not carry tools. Even the freeways we used have been surveyed and site-planned specifically to remove the turns and hills and towns that might have presented themselves as interruptions to a straight line. So. We're seeking out those interruptions once again to calm our pulses and quiet our restless minds. In my experience, until you exit the freeways to investigate all the places you normally streak past, you may never find what you're looking for. The cure is out there, but it only comes from being gone. Okay. Enough of story hour with Todd. Y'all be safe out there. I'll see you next time.